This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. I connect with experts for some real talk about keeping our minds and bodies healthy. You know, we talk about safety. We've spent a lot of time talking about the pandemic. We've spent time talking about matters of our mental and physical health and spiritual health. Uh, Certainly, we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, concerns during the global pandemic and COVID-19. And, you know, the the hot topic right now, um, you know, as far as vaccines go, you know, we've been talking a lot about booster shots and who's eligible. Um, The Biden administration, you know, telling states like, hey, you know, it's time to start planning for kids under 12 to be vaccinated. We're kind of waiting for the approval of that Pfizer vaccination for kids under 12. So I thought it'd be a good time to um, bring in an expert. Jill Foster is a professor of pediatrics at the University of Minnesota Medical School and a pediatric infectious diseases physician with M Health Fairview. Dr. Foster, thank you so much for joining Wellness Wednesday. Oh, so glad to join you. Well, as I mentioned, um, you know, we're kind of in that waiting period. When will the Pfizer vaccine be approved for kids under kids under 12? You know, what's the rollout going to look like? You know, I think a lot of parents are kind of just waiting, waiting for the time that their unvaccinated kid can get the COVID-19 vaccine. And I wonder, you know, what are some of the concerns that that you've heard from parents during this time? concern from parents is that they're really still viewing this as an experimental vaccine Mm. um, rather than something that, you know, that has been now used in millions and millions of people. And, you know, and I think I think that that's a reasonable confusion. Um, I, I, you know, at this point, I think we're very comfortable that the vaccine works. But there's still a lot of little details that we kind of need to work out. And I think that that gives people some uneasiness. Sure. Um, So, I mean, there are a number of vaccines that children receive. I mean, I'm a mother, so my my son is five years old. Plenty of them have gone into, uh, well, we're still doing legs at this point. Um, (laughs) So we haven't quite moved to the arm yet. Um, And, you know, how does this, do you think, compare with the rollout of uh, of other vaccines? I mean, I think of something like the vaccine for chickenpox. And, you know, when I was a kid, there was no vaccine for chickenpox. For my son, yes, there is. You know, vaccines have been rolling out for, for many years to protect um, people against infectious diseases. Why is this time so different? Is it just this fear of it feels experimental, like you mentioned? Is, is it misinformation? You know, what, what do you think is kind of the real burning point here? Well, you know, it's funny that you brought up the chickenpox vaccine because I was just starting my career when it came out and there was a lot of resistance to it. Mm. There were a lot of people, you know, they were having, you know, chickenpox parties and, you know, feeling that it was almost like a rite of passage of childhood. Um, and, you know, I mean, as a physician, I saw the children that were getting really severe chickenpox, you know, either the immunocompromised kids or just, you know, kids without any other problem. And so, you know, we saw, you know, how serious it could get. But, you know, the average person didn't know someone who died from chickenpox. Um, I think that's part of what it is now is that you know, multiple studies have shown that people are much more likely to view the vaccine as a necessity when they know somebody who's had severe COVID or who has died of COVID. And I think that there's a, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, eh, kids don't get severe COVID, which, you know, is, is not true. Mm-hmm. And uh, and kind of that thing where, well, I haven't had first-hand experience with knowing someone, so you know, everybody has their own experiences, right? When it comes to COVID, um, 
you know, what are some of the risks for for children, you know, children under 12 that haven't been vaccinated? Because uh, it does seem that some kids get a case of the sniffles. Some kids have no symptoms. But there are there are serious cases. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other problems with COVID is that just when we think we get it all figured out, then we realize we don't really know anything. Sure. We, you know, we all got to a place where like, OK, I can do this. I can wear my mask. This is what I can get away with. And then, well, no, now I can't anymore. And, you know, not because somebody changed the rules, but because things changed. And, you know, COVID in the beginning, yes, there were kids getting seriously ill, but it was a small number. And it was, you know, kind of an unusual circumstance. Well, that all changed with Delta. I mean, we're seeing children with, you know, the same severity of illness as adults have had with it. Hmm. You know, not in as many numbers, but, you know, we have a number of children hospitalized right now with COVID. I'm talking with Dr. Jill Foster, a professor of pediatrics at the U of M Medical School and a pediatric infectious diseases physician with M Health Fairview. Uh, so, you know, Delta sounds like, you know, changing things that, um, you know, some children are, are feeling those same effects and getting seriously ill. Because when it comes to, you know, we're, like I mentioned, we're in this waiting period for the approval of the Pfizer vaccine for kids under 12. I guess my question is, I don't know a lot about the process. Um, You know, like it it probably feels experimental because it's taking a long time for it. You know, what seems like it's taking a long time to get approved for kids. And maybe that's, uh, you know, something that makes parents a little bit nervous, but everything has to go through a process. I guess, what is that process? I'm not familiar with it. So the process is a couple of things. One is, you know, we always do things in adults first, if, mm-hmm. you know, assuming that it's an illness that affects adults, because, you know, you always take your chances first with adults. So the adults were first, and also the adults were the ones in the beginning who were getting most seriously ill. So everything was done in adults. Um, we feel really comfortable with adults right now. And then you're going to do the part in kids because kids might need a different dose. And indeed, um, children will be getting a lower dose sure. than adults get, the majority of kids. And you also want to see if there's just some, some you know, weird, unexpected thing that pops up in kids that you didn't see in adults. So you want to be really careful about it. Um, so we've been doing trials and we've been doing, you know, ad- additional numbers to make sure that there's not something, you know, it's a race. You want to get the, you know, want to get the vaccine in the kids' arms, certainly. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's is really a lot of it. And, you know, so far we're, you know, we're, we're pretty confident that nothing is popping up um, that, that's surprising us. Yeah, you hear about some people who had, you know, some um, side effects after getting their vaccine, you know, not feeling well, maybe for 24 hours. And some people got their shot and they were feeling perfectly fine the next day. So it's almost hard to know who's going to be, you know, affected and who's going to have any sort of uh, reaction. But do we expect uh, for kids to experience some kind of side effects from uh, from their vaccine? I mean, so far, nothing is showing up. Um, One of the things that did show up in the adolescence was myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart. Um, And then that's caused people a lot of concern. I mean, it's only been a very, very few cases. And it's fewer cases than would if you just allowed children to get COVID, because that's also one of the side effects of getting COVID. Okay. Um, 
But it, but it's hard because, you know, there's the, ooh, I'll take my chances of the virus. Maybe I've only got a, you know, one in a million chance of getting the virus versus I'm going to go do something that might cause harm. And, you know, that just psychologically is, is hard to get by. And, you know, we heard a lot from, you know, teenage boys who were like, you know, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's going to hurt my heart because it was predominantly teenage boys that got it because they weren't seeing you know, the numbers, they weren't seeing that they actually had a much bigger chance of getting it from COVID than they did from the actual shot. Well, we're talking about uh, COVID vaccination, COVID vaccination for young people. Uh, you know, the Biden administration basically telling states like, you know, we're, we're in that that in-between process, kind of that holding process of uh, that, that Pfizer shot to be approved for kids under 12. But it's time for states to start preparing and have a plan for, um, you know, inoculating kids. You know, it's interesting. And I I know that there is that psychological thing where it's like, well, I don't want to cause my child harm, right? And so there's so much information that goes around. Clearly, any concern of a parent for their child, you know, you want to validate it, but at the same time, make sure that it's not, I guess, at the root of it from misinformation. I wonder, you know, what are some of the other questions? I mean, you know, I've I've read that parents are concerned that their kids could be infertile, you know, at a future mm-hmm. time. Yeah, there was something that was put out there. Um, you know, there's so much stuff that's out there in the Internet that just spreads like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So there was one person who kind of came up with something theoretical that might cross-react, that might, you know, and it was like a whole, you know, chain of four or five mites of something that, that you know, was maybe a little bit similar to something that might cause a problem. And then, you know, that took off like crazy. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things we do know is that being pregnant and getting COVID is very bad, both for the mother and the infant, and so much worse than any possibility of something that might maybe happen. Um, but, you know, we're all, there's also lots of mechanisms in place to look for these long term. You know, I'm not going to say absolutely not. There might be some long term problems. But, you know, there's really close monitoring of people and multiple places that people can report when they have something that comes up that sounds a little weird. That was how we found out about the myocarditis is people reporting in and saying, hey, I'm all of a sudden seeing myocarditis when I wasn't seeing it, you know, last year. Yeah. I mean, and that's a word that I didn't even know before. uh, Gosh, I don't know. Just recently kind of reading different articles and, um, you know, reading articles about some of the misinformation out there or, you know, some concerns that are that are popping up, but just not knowing enough about it to really go, well, what is this thing? Yeah. And I don't I don't think, you know, before we didn't have Facebook and other social media. And if you had a rumor and you had somebody that had kind of a crackpot theory and something, you know, it didn't spread. And now, you know, the things like that, I mean, you know, it's scary to think about your kid's future fertility. And so you see something like that and, you know, it it, it resonates. And then you, you send it to one friend of like, what do you think about this? And pretty soon, you know, you got a million, you know, people who read that article. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, the, the part that social media plays in it where, I mean, to tell you the truth, I didn't even know that there was any pushback against a, um, you know, a chicken box, chicken pox vaccination back in the day. Or, you know, you know, my dad would tell me about the measles parties. And, you know, my dad's of the generation that got the polio vaccine. And he told mm-hmm. me there were just some times where you had a kid in your school and then that kid did not come back. And, you know, I think my dad's generation seeing that firsthand, um, you know, he was he wanted to be first in line to get it to get the vaccination. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember going to the firehouse and getting the sugar cube with the polio vaccine. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of victims of our own success. Um, We have been so good at eradicating so many. You know, who knows anybody who had diphtheria or even tetanus? And, you know, you go to places where there is not vaccination or different health conditions, and you you see those illnesses because, you know, the children are, you know, too poor to be immunized or there's not mechanisms to do mass vaccination campaigns. I don't think people realize how lucky we are. Sure. I'm talking with Dr. Jill Foster, and we've been talking about uh, COVID vaccination. You know, it's the it's the top of mind. I mean, the topic of when is this vaccine going to be ready for kids under 12? You know, parents are either you know, tapping their foot in uh, <laughs> trying to be as patient as possible. You know, some have some questions about it, but, you know, always good to uh, to find out the facts and uh, and make sure that you're well informed. Um, so that Pfizer uh, vaccination, you know, what when do we expect that that would be approved? I mean, are we talking about within the next few weeks, uh, the next month, Christmas time, holidays? I mean, do, do we kind of know if there's a timeline out there? The timeline is, is it's really expected that the two important meetings, the meetings by the FDA and then the CDC meeting that follows that, are going to happen in the first two weeks of November. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's why, you know, the government is saying get ready because uh, it's one of these things that, you know, people need to have the supply in. They need to have, you know, expand their hours because we want to try to get as many kids immunized, especially before the Thanksgiving holiday, as possible. And, I think, you know, depending on that timeline, we might even be able to get the second dose in, although it's, pre- it's pretty tight. But even with the first dose, we're going to be able to protect children a little better as we move into Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think by Christmas, um, we should be able to have all those 5 to 11-year-olds with some good immunity. Wow. Um, and just thinking, oh, yeah, November is right around the corner, isn't it? Time is going yeah. by in a very strange way during this pandemic. Well, Dr. Jill Foster, I appreciate you checking in and having this conversation for Wellness Wednesday. Oh, no, glad to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Weggle, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 Number 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.